from npr. i'm sam sanders. it's been a minute. we have a very special episode for you today two guests on stage in front of a live audience. this is a good one earlier this month, i got to hang out with john cho, the actor, and anish chaganti, the director. you know john from harold and kumar and the star trek films, a bunch of other stuff. You may not know Anish yet, but you will. Anish is a first-time filmmaker getting some major acclaim uh, for his first feature film. In this film, he directed John Cho. Uh, the movie's a psychological thriller called Searching, and it's a real twist on the genre. Uh, it makes you ask these really big questions about the role of technology in our lives. The movie hits theaters later this month. Uh, we talk about that movie and how they made it and how it kind of twists the genre. But we also talk about whether this movie, which is directed by an Asian-American person, uh, has a majority Asian-American cast. I ask, does that make it an Asian-American film? John and Anish, they did not agree on the answer, which I liked. We talk more about that in the chat. Um, there's a ton of other good stuff in here, too. With that said, let's get into it. Me, Anish, and John and a few hundred friends at the Line Hotel in Los Angeles. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. Thanks for coming to the show. Now, please welcome to the stage your host for the evening and my favorite nephew, Sam Sanders. Hi. How are you guys? <laughs> it's so good to be here. Many, many, many thanks to all of you for being here. It's going to be a great show, I promise. Um, as you know, one thing I always do before every time we tape anything for the show is take my shoes off, so I'm doing that. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but I'm wearing some wonderful watermelon socks tonight. <laughs> courtesy of uh, Nordstrom Rack and DTLA. <laughs> With that said, I want to get to it so we can get through it. Uh, we are here tonight to talk about a movie called Searching. Who's heard of it? It's going to be a big deal, I predict, okay? Uh, it is a tech thriller unlike any you have ever seen before. Uh, and I know most of you have not seen it yet, but it's already getting tons of buzz. Uh, it won the very prestigious Alfred P. Sloan Award at Sundance this year. It's a big deal, uh, right? Applause, applause, yeah. That award is given to a film that is, quote, an outstanding feature film focusing on science or technology as a theme. I have here uh, one of the stars of Searching and the director of Searching, John Cho and Anish Chaganti. Come on stage, guys. <laughs> Don't they look great? sun-kissed korea town um, how are you guys feeling good thanks so much for having us thanks thanks for being, for being here. here everybody yeah 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 so you guys have been <laughs> yeah there's 12 people well there's one over there who's really excited and i'm, and I'm loving it what's your name and I am so glad you're here. Your energy is going to get us through this night. <laughs> um, so one, I got to say thank you both for being here because I know you're very busy. You've been on press tour for this movie and you've been everywhere. Were you just in Hong Kong? Yeah. Yes, we were. Yeah, very briefly, we were at a uh, tech conference um, called Rise uh, just because of the themes of the movie. Searching is um, a thriller that takes place on... Um, on all the devices we use all the time, so it seemed like the appropriate place. How was it? 
good eating. Yeah, a lot of food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We went to a restaurant called Holy Fook, uh, which, is, which is the coolest thing about that restaurant. You know? <laughs> which one of you is a better traveler? Ooh, ooh. Probably uh, you are. Uh, probably you. Okay. Oh, that's okay. sweet. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say the other's better? I feel like Anish has <laughs> Anish has a very uh, self-actualized wardrobe style. Mm. And so it's simplified, it's uh, it travels easy. And I feel like um, I feel like a debutante traveling through uh, India in the uh, 18th century with lots of trunks. How much product do you carry bring? Trunks. Was that? I said, how much product do you bring? Well, it depends. On, like on a trip to Hong Kong, I got to bring stuff, Sam. <laughs> okay? okay, I got to bring stuff. You know your process. My secret to travel is only one bag. No matter where you go, only one bag. I like that. And it should be carry-on size. Hey, wow. Thank you. We got some love for carry-on. On that note, thanks for coming out. Have a good night. So Anyways, um, let's talk about the movie. Okay. <laughs> it is called Searching. I saw it last week. It's getting buzz on buzz on buzz on buzz on buzz. Anish, describe your movie in 30 seconds or less. I'm timing you. Okay. Oh, well, uh, yeah. So, Sev Ahani and Natalie Kasabian uh, are both producers on the movie. Sev uh, co-wrote it with me. John produced it, so it's our movie. But the movie's called Searching. Uh, it is uh, what we like to call a classic thriller told in a very unconventional way. The classic part about it is that it's about a dad looking for a missing kid. And the unconventional part about it is that almost all of the movie takes place on his daughter's laptop screen as he breaks into his daughter's laptop to look for clues to find her. How many seconds? Good job. Yeah. Thank you very much. I was not timing. Anish, why make this movie this way, only through screens? Th uh, this seems like you were asking for more work than you needed. Oh, yeah, we were. Yeah. It took, it, the movie took about two years to edit, um, which is about... Whoa, 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 whoa. Really? Yeah, yeah, I know. So, never again is the short answer. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, Sev and I were first approached by the, uh, a company who had done, who had made a movie called Unfriended. Have any of you guys seen this movie called Unfriended before? Okay, some love. Um, so it took, takes place on a computer screen, and they wanted to follow it up. And for a long time, Sev and I just kept saying no and no to this opportunity to make another movie on a computer screen, because for us, that sounds like a gimmick, that sounds really lame, and we had seen all those other films, and we're like, that's not really something that we want to do. Um, and then one day, we kind of came up with an idea for an opening sequence uh, for this movie. It's like a very standalone um, opening montage when, when you guys check it out. And for some reason, it felt like we had unlocked this potential of this format that was like more than what had been done before, but that was something that was actually engaging, cinematic, and, and emotional, and would do something that other films hadn't, which is like make you forget that what you were watching was on a computer screen. And we thought like if you could tell a story and have an audience completely just focus on the story of a missing person and, and a father's search to find her, and then only at the end realize, wait a second, that was all on a computer screens, wouldn't that be a really, really cool feeling? So we kind of just chased that feeling for two years longer than we thought we would. <laughs> <laughs> Were you hesitant, John, to do this kind of project given that format? I was. Um, <laughs> I said no at really? first. Yeah. I love the script, I love the story, I love the genre. It's a very classic, uh, suspenseful thriller, but I said, why the screens? Um, and it was probably because, ironically, uh, that uh, Anish and I spoke over the phone through a technological device that we didn't really uh, connect. 
And but to his credit and and you know uh, to my luck, uh, Anish didn't take my <laughs> no, and he kept coming back. And so we had a meeting face to face, and you know two things happened. One, I was just really impressed with the person here. Um, I said, I think I'd like to follow this person. And secondly, uh, he assured me that what we were making was something cinematic, that it wasn't going to be a YouTube video. Um, it was going to feel like movies that I grew up with and that he grew up with. And, and I think that's what we made. Why'd you keep pushing for John? He makes that sound so much less creepy than it was. I like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that when he, when, when, when that first phone call, he's like, yeah, it's technological devices. And that was like the first time I ever talked to a celebrity. And really? like, you know, and like, you know, we, we got on the phone and they were like, hey, John Cho wants to talk to you or uh, talk to you about the script because we had given the script to his agents and he had read it. And I was like, oh my gosh, John Cho wants to talk to me. Like, I told all my friends, all my family, they all, you know, like they all knew that I was about to get on You're the phone. You're not supposed to do that. I know. No, I know. <laughs> and like, I get, I get on the phone with him and 15 minutes go by and I hang up the phone. I was like, that, uh, that, I completely f that one up like you know like uh and you know a few days later he passed on the project and there was so much about the movie that i didn't get to say i learned more about directing in that 15 minutes uh, like that talking to him um and letting him ask me questions and not telling him what we wanted to do with it uh than i ever did but thankfully a few days later after it was a hard no from him and from the team saying it was a hard no um we realized that of all of the phone numbers you know, when we were in pre-production, we often got connected via third-party line to whoever we were yeah. talking to, except for John, who called me on his actual cell phone number. So you had his number. Yeah. And I literally, I remember being like, hey, we already lost him, you know? Like, so we're like, why not? So we pulled out my phone. I was like, hey, dude, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I heard you said no to the project. To be honest, I don't agree with all the reasons why. I texted back, who dis? Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's like mad aggro, man. Yeah, no, it was, it was, you know, it was like, uh, it could have been career ending, who knows? But it, you know, it, I, I basically asked him out to drinks if he was at all open to changing his mind, and I remember he was like, it bubbled and then it went away, and then an hour went by. <laughs> <laughs> and like I was like, oh, um, so I don't remember this. Yeah, of course you don't. <laughs> and then you know, finally an hour later, it's like, yeah, I'm down, and we were like. Hell yeah, and we both met in, at, at, a, at a bar um, in, Hall, in L.A., and basically he came, sat down, and the second he sat down, I stood up, and I gave him the best pitch I've ever given to anyone before, after, during, you know. Oh, at, are you going to give it to us here now? No, I don't think I can replicate it. It was okay. so good. The, the desire was so strong. Um, but, you know, and I remember thinking he has to say yes, and I, I remember sitting down to, like 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later with like a laptop in my hand and setting it down and him looking at me and him being like, you know, I promised I'd, I'd put my kids to bed. Thank you so much for taking the time. And he shook my, shakes my hand and leaves. And I was like, and then he got, he's gone. And I was like, all right, we lost him, you know, for sure. Uh, and but I it called, I, yeah, it apparently worked. But like that moment, we thought we lost him. And then it turns out that Monday that after, I guess, some soul searching, um, uh, <laughs> Uh, John came back with a yes. So, but apparently it's from that meeting. But it's funny how we have totally different perspectives of, of the same event. Can I just say, you know what? You know the reason I didn't say yes at the time, and I was like, oh, at, I during the meeting, during the meeting, I was like, hey, I think I want to do this movie. I like this guy. But I have this manager, and whenever we set up a meeting, sometimes he says, "Don't take a meeting. I know it's going to happen. You're going to say yes. You're going to get all caught up." <laughs> 
because uh, you you love ideas. You love people who get excited, and yep. you're going to say yes. And um, which is an unfair characterization, but uh, but I remembered what he said, and I was like, I'm not going to say yes right now. I'm going to go home and think about it. Um, but uh, but I did want to say yes at the at the thing. Okay. And here we are now. Yeah. It's beautiful. I want to break down how making a movie like this was a challenge for you both, acting it and directing it. John, first for you, I'm watching this movie last week, and I realized a lot of the physical work that you're used to seeing actors do in a film is a bit limited in this movie because you have to be in a screen, and for a lot of the film, you're in a chair mm -hmm. in front of a laptop or a like computer screen. How did you navigate that? What was your process? What was your method? Was it harder or easier? You know, it wasn't like, like hard, hard, like being a busboy hard, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was tricky. And it was, the, the issue for me was I didn't have anything I could, past experiences I could rely on. Yeah. And so I felt like um, I didn't have anything to hold on to. The, the, it was all sort of an extreme close up for, for, for the most of the movie. And, as you say, I didn't have any um, anything much physical to do. And for me, what's nice about having uh, physical action as an actor is it's really hard to be false when you're running. Uh, that's why Tom Cruise must do it. <laughs> have you seen the movie yet? This is the new Mission Impossible? Yeah. Is it that epic of running? Was that? A lot of, yeah, a lot of epic running in the new <laughs> yeah, Okay. But uh, it, it's, it's, it, when you're lifting something or having a drink, it's just sort of like hard to, to look false. And so for me, it was, there were no shortcuts. It was just all being uh, there uh, and doing more work than I like. And, uh, and more second, work. <laughs> yeah, more work than I like. And, right. then, for, and then there was uh, the fact that the l laptop was blank. And it was dark. Oh, during shooting, during there, shooting was there was not stuff on the there. screen. <laughs> so you're talking to a dark screen. Right. For months. Oh. <laughs> it was two weeks. But, okay. uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was just a very unusual acting activity. And I was, frankly, I was kind of scared uh, to make the, a wrong move because the camera was so up in your face. It was, it was, it was challenging. So did the screenplay have notes that said, like, I start left, I start right, eyes go up? Really? Yeah, it, I mean, this. so basically every stage of this movie, every stage of it looked different than making a normal movie. Huh. So starting from the screenplay, even the screenplay itself, we couldn't write it in a traditional screenplay format because we realized, any of you guys have read a screenplay before? It's LA. They yeah, have. They're, we, they're like, okay. They, like, for those of you that... <laughs> they have a few okay. in the audience to get to you later on tonight. How many have one okay. underneath your seat? Sorry, one time... <laughs> Ready to give yeah. us. But, um, like, every single... Because we realize, like, in a traditional screenplay, whenever you have a scene header, it's interior, you know, yeah. uh, stage, dash, yeah. evening. You know, yeah. you set the whole scene. And for us, we realized early on that, like, no movie was... No screenplay format could ever handle, like, interior Facebook photos, dash Facebook, dash Google Chrome, dash yeah. David's computer, dash <laughs> night. It doesn't make any sense, and you can't read it that way. So we literally had to, like, create a whole new uh, form. We called it a scriptment, which is a mix of a script and a treatment that would kind of tackle how text messages looked, what, what would they look when they're backspaced, how, how to handle a cursor. It almost looked like a book. It was like a chaptered um, kind of book, and that's actually what we sent John, not a traditional screenplay. So it was thicker and bigger than a... How, it was actually like, smaller. Had we smaller. made it, had we written a normal screenplay, 
It would have been like 300 pages because like every time you switched over a different window, it's a new scene header and scene headers take a lot of space uh -huh. on a page. Um, so we really realized like, let's just write a small little book and, 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 and yeah. convince people on that instead. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting when I finally saw the film, I, I texted Anish and said, this is, it's crazy. You, you've added to the vocabulary of cinema and how far we've come along as a society, you know, in our computer literacy, you know, so that all those cues, all those, uh, we even have um, computer nostalgia. We've gone so far into the, the computer age so that all those deletes, all those backspaces, all those like forgotten icons uh, have have um, are imbued with mm -hmm. meaning now, mm -hmm. and it's and that's sort of why the mu the movie works. We couldn't have made this movie ten years ago. All right, time for a break. When we come back, how do you keep a film about technology current when it takes two years to edit it? BRB. Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message come from Fracture. Fracture turns your favorite digital memories into meaningful photo decor by printing them directly on glass. They come ready to display out of the box, including the wall hanger or optional stand. Fracture prints are handmade in Gainesville, Florida. Give a unique gift or focus on the moments that tell your story. It's Been a Minute listeners can save 15% on their first order by visiting FractureMe.com minute. Hey, this is Stretch Armstrong. And this is Bobby DeGarcia, the hosts of What's Good. We're back with a brand new season. We've got Erica Badu, Lenny Kravitz, Black Thought, and more. You'll hear B-side stories from A-list guests. Subscribe now. Speaking of the time and technology, I'm guessing if you were in edits for two years and doing stuff before then, some of the technology in the film changed over the course of making the film? Yeah, we realized pretty quickly that this is probably the fastest turnaround from a modern movie to a period piece like ever made. <laughs> uh, you know, so we were like, we were like, I'm pretty sure during our edit it became a period piece. Um, we were just too far along, like Facebook updated its UI and we're like, oh, um, so, uh, you know, but I think the way the solve for that, the way we kind of fix that is like, okay, let's acknowledge that. Let's just make sure that our movie is set on very specific days and stick to that. So our movie takes place in the world of our movie. It's May 11th, May 12th, and May 13th of 2017. And every single web page that David visits, every single news item, every ticker, every single thing like that matches the local, regional, and national news and events and websites of those specific days. It's only three days? Yeah, yeah. Well, ah. uh, there, there's some more movement in the movie, but okay. the majority of it takes place yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, over three days. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are these themes of technology and the interesting way that you make this movie, but also at its core, there is just family drama. Yeah. And John, you are playing this father who loves his daughter and is trying to find her. And I want to talk about how you channeled fatherhood for that role. But I first want to play a clip that really kind of gets at the level of intensity you brought to, I guess, representing the love a parent has for their child. I think we have the clip. I just want to know where you were the night my daughter went missing. I was busy. What are you hiding? Nothing. Where were you the night my daughter went missing? You can't assist in the investigation anymore. What, is that, what does that mean? It means that we can't have someone this close to the case helping investigate it. All I'm trying to do is to help you find my daughter. You can't see things clearly. If it wasn't for me, not you, 
You and I would both be thinking that my Margot ran away, but because we of me- We don't know that we... she didn't run away. You're cutting me off? You broke his jaw! Are you that dad? <laughs> I think uh, I think every dad is that dad, and every mom is that mom. Mm. And it, if you're pushed that mm. far, um, mm. we, we we can all become um, biting animals. That that wasn't that. Uh, I didn't even have to think about that. You hmm. know, um, I remember like this is weird. Uh, this is the first time I'm telling the story. Uh, That's what we like. One of my first me- <laughs> one of my first memories is uh, when when we immigrated. Uh, it's when I was six years old to Houston, and I started kindergarten. Um, shout out kindergarten! Shout out kindergarten! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got some kindergartners in the house! What? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I didn't know how this, we, we shared desks and I, there was a pencil box and I took it home and it belonged to another boy. And, um, you know, my mother got word that my teacher said that Chinese boy took it. Oh. And um, she, I, I just have never forgotten it because she felt that somebody had pushed, uh, you know, kind of pushed her boy down and I... Uh, it made this very strong imprint on me, and I just considered my mother a mild-mannered person, but she was like a tiger unleashed. It Did she crazy. go to the school? Yeah, I believe so. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think everyone's capable of it, and you don't even know yeah. w- w- what could set off those. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did playing this role, the father of a child who was abducted, change in any way, or even the way you think about? Parenting. Um, it's made me think about, you know, my, my boy is 10, and um, I see what's coming down the pike, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I mean, I've been saying it's like with these devices in, in your kid's bedroom, uh, you know, you used to say, watch out for the, the pervert at the 7-Eleven. Yeah. Or, you know, don't get lost in the woods. But it's like all the perverts at all the 7-Elevens can come into your into your child's bedroom via these devices, and True. we have to watch out for that. And then coupled with the fact that you you're never going to be more computer as computer literate as your kid. It's just never going to happen. You're never going to close that gap, and they're going to be ahead of you. So it's a tricky time. Anish, yeah, <clears throat> you come. From Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. you worked for Google. Mm-hmm. What did you do for Google? So I, I was working at the Google Creative Lab in New York City, um, where uh, I basically wrote and developed and directed their commercials. Okay. Yeah. Watching this movie, it feels like it's directed by a person who probably doesn't <laughs> that much like big tech. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What were you trying to say about companies like no, it, Google uh, <laughs> or YouTube or Facebook or whoever with this movie? You know, it, it's funny. I, people often, like, I think, assume when you see the trailer and stuff, it's very anti-technology. It, it's it's not, you know, and I, I think um, yeah, this is probably the ex-Google employee in me speaking, but, you know, I think technology as a whole gets such a negative rap in media. 
You know, like whether we're, you know, like whether we're watching a, a Black Mirror episode or or a Facebook PSA or you're reading an article, it's always about like how obsessed we are with our phones, how like we're addicted to social media, how you know technology is going to be the end of us, like buy canned foods now, you know, like very very negative stuff. And and to to me, and again, maybe this was seeing engineers working at Google and talking to them, but like it felt like media had just picked a small slice of the pie of what technology is and said, this is what it is. As a, and, and what we wanted to do with our movie is, is zoom out and basically say, give a technology a much more holistic picture and say like, it's like, like looking at a hammer and saying hammer is bad. As, as opposed to hammer is bad, hammer is good, hammer is sad, hammer is whatever you want it to be, depending on how you use it. And for us, that's what, that's what, that's what this movie is about. John's laughing. Sad hammer. Sad hammer, baby. <laughs> the searching story, yes. <laughs> Sad hammer, the searching story, yeah. Uh, I found myself, while watching the film, asking myself, is this an Asian-American film? There was one moment in which, you know, the characters are talking about kimchi gumbo. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Then there are other moments where I say to myself, well, anybody, any family could be this family. Is it an Asian-American film for both of you? On three. One, two, <laughs> three. No. Yes. <laughs> Drama. Drama. You know, I, the fact that it doesn't have to be an Asian-American film makes me want to claim it as an Asian-American film. All right. And that I want to claim... You know, like just um, yeah. If 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 um, it was an action movie that had nothing to do with being Asian, um, like no karate, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a shooting punching movie, um, and but it had an Asian star, I'd say yeah, that's an Asian American movie because um, it has an Asian American actor, um, and I don't mind it not being one either. But um, the fact that it's uh, to me, the, the thing that, that that makes me want to claim it as an Asian American movie is that it's an Asian family. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been um, many times. I've been the only Asian character in the movie uh, or actor. And this was particularly meaningful to me to see a whole Asian family and one that um, loved one another. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know. The theme in a movie uh, with a lot of Asians is that uh, you're running away from your Asian-ness mm. to find love uh, outside of your culture. And this is, uh, just doesn't, that doesn't compute in this. This is about fathers and mothers and children. And um, so for that reason, I, I you know, kind of want to lean into the yes of it. And you, sir. Yeah, yeah. You know, I say no for, it's funny, I say no for the exact same reasons. Um, uh-huh. You know, because I think what, you know, growing up, you know, all of my favorite movies, like the thrillers and the action movies and the mysteries and all those kinds of films, like, they just never had anybody that looked like me. And they still don't. I don't think I've ever seen an American or Indian person in these Hollywood action films. But, like... And here we had an opportunity to kind of do that. And like in those films never talked about race or culture or the color of your skin. They were just like, here's a spy and he needs to break into whatever. There were just other scenarios. And we had an opportunity to do that here and make a movie that had nothing to do with that. And I think what it's really cool. We found out the other day, actually, through a Vanity Fair article, that this is the first mainstream contemporary thriller to ever have an Asian-American lead in it. And I think like what... 
see, <laughs> which is cool. And I think what, what has made it an Asian American film is the fact that it is the first to do this. Hmm. You know, like this, is, like this is a movie that could have anybody in it. And that was the point is that it, we don't, for once, we didn't have to justify, you know, you usually have to explain what is the Asian hook. Like, why is this family Asian? But there's nothing about this movie that explains it. Like, it's just like, there's no justifying why we're here. It's just, this is our movie. Um, so like for us, like it's, it, it isn't, but by being it and by apparently being one of the first movies to do it, it has become that film. And like, it's something that I'm, I'm very proud of, but at the same time, like, its intention is like the end game where it's just like, we don't have to justify why we're in a thriller. How do you feel about having that pressure when an outlet like Vanity Fair is saying, this is the first Asian-American thriller, or this is an Asian movie. And so many times, and I've talked to folks on the show about this before, when you are a first or close to the first, you have so much weight on you because there aren't that many others. Anish, do you feel that with this movie? And John, have you felt that before in your career? Either yeah, I felt that lately. Yeah. I felt that the last few days with that article, you know, like, it, it, it's it's like in not trying in trying to do our own thing and trying to like put our head down and work hard and make a movie with five people in a tiny edit room for two years we have now there's a now another light on our movie um and we're talking about our film in a different capacity than i ever expected us to be talking about you it. you never expected this the asian americanness no of this i, film, I, I didn't expect us that we'd be the, we'd be record breaking in that way you know like it just like you didn't not... like search wikipedia and see that there wasn't one before <laughs> <laughs> my entire search history is like First thriller, first mystery <laughs> film with, yeah, no. Um, y no, because, I mean, I, I, I figured people would talk about it, but at the same time, like, we were like, I, I, honestly, I thought, like, a movie like Crazy Rich Asians, that's going to be the movie that the Asian-American community goes, goes behind. You know, that, that's, that's what they're going to go behind. Our movie is like, we're just a thriller. You know, and, 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 and now, you know, I get a lot of, Crazy like, worried Asians. Crazy worried, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We should change it. <laughs> Crazy searching Asians. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like people will message me now, and it's so nice to have like an Indian American. Like I can follow in the footsteps. It's like, damn, dude. Like, fuck, like I, I gotta work on the next movie. I guess you know. It's I don't know. Yeah. You know the the. Um, I understand uh, th that thing, uh, wanting to shine a spotlight on something you're happy about. I, I, and I understand that impulse, and I, I actually really appreciate it because it comes from love and it, and it comes from pride. And, and I also understand feeling burdened by it because w one thing it does is it, it, um, it, it can chip away. If you're not careful, it can get just a little in the way of the fun of it. Hmm. And it is our job to play, you know, as storytellers or as actors. Um, so you don't want to hear it so much that it interferes with your sense of play and fun um, because that's what we're good at. What's great about, like, in this situation, what's special, even though, like you, I didn't really think about it until we were there in Sundance, but... What's special about it in retrospect is that this is a young storyteller uh, who's of Indian descent, uh, who's you know making waves and, and is being creative. I'm just excited about moving the discussion away from casting about some people going, "I'll use you," you know, and the like the 
the typical example is using a Chinese pop star in a big action movie in a side role. Mm -hmm. And that, moving it away from celebrating that idea to celebrating the storyteller mm -hmm. and celebrating voices getting louder and louder. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, though, just one last point about casting. One of the things that I'm so proud of, um, uh, apart from the editors who we slaved over the film for two years, uh, is... is is the fact that because we were able to cast John, because he said yes that day, is we're able to cast a family of around him that are largely unknown actors and actresses, and now they will always have this movie in parentheses for them to uh, to be in the next movie. So that's that, so funny. Because yeah. I'm sorry. To yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I used to, you know, uh, one of my script reading experiences uh, when mm -hmm. I was starting out was like if um, if I'd start reading a script and I wasn't paying attention to what role I was supposed to read. And I, I, or I made an error and I started following the wrong character and I thought, oh, this is my character. And then I'd bump into a, a sibling or family member. I'd go, oh, I made an error. I made a mistake. I knew that because I knew they would never cast two Asians. Hmm. Huh. And I go, oh, I'd have to, I have to go back and read the cover letter. I guess wow. I chose the wrong character. And that's... Wow. <laughs> that's, that, that's the reality of things. Um, but yeah, and it's also important to just start, I just, you know, whenever I hear, you know, there are no Asian, fill in the blank, you know, uh, uh, actors or uh, actresses who are bankable, it's, it's always like a farmer to me going, there's no crops. But like, I want to say, you didn't plant any seeds. At yeah. some point, you have to plant the yeah. seeds. Yeah. 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 All right, time for one more break. When we come back, Anish tells me about a famous director he saw in a magazine when he was a kid and how that moment made him say, huh, that guy looks like me. Be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but ZipRecruiter can make it simple, smart, and fast. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 job boards with one click. Then it scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com minute. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Before you can start your day, you like to know what's happening in the news. That's what Up First is for. It's the morning news podcast from NPR, the news you need to take on the day in just about 10 minutes. Listen to Up First on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we go to Q&A, um, last question for you two, then the questions will come from the audience, but you, John, have been an Asian American in this industry for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing you've it's been an Asian American his whole life. Your whole life, but in the yeah. industry, <laughs> I know. Yeah. But like you, like Anisha is like starting this journey. The one piece of advice you want him to carry with himself as a person of color in this weird, funky place? Teach me. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a lot. I'm going to look at you. <laughs> I think. Um, there are a lot of people who want to take your chi, <laughs> and there's a lot of people who want to give you advice and steer you, but 
I think the most important thing is to listen to the impulses that got you here, the sense of play and the sense of creativity, and to tell stories that entertain you. So it's you're telling bedtime stories to boy Anish, and you've got to make that kid smile, and that's the job from job to job. Super Soul Sunday. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you. We're so not you. done yet. Yeah. Uh, we had some note cards out at the front for people to leave questions if they wanted for our wonderful guest. We've collected some. We have three. Um, okay. The first one comes from Jaylene. She says, have you played or written racial stereotypes because it was work or a paycheck? What was that like? I tried not to. I do recall one that I thought was like kind of iffy, but I went, I did the job. What was it? I want to say it was a Chinese delivery guy on the Jeff Foxworthy show. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 1971. Um, I, I think the way I, I, I justified it for myself, going back to that accent issue, was the joke was that he had a, a, a southern accent. and that The he, delivery guy. The delivery guy, and that Jeff Foxworthy was expecting a Ching Chong accent. Of course he was. And that was the joke. And I thought, okay, well, I'll take the check. It's like, I'm not doing an accent, blah, blah, blah. When I got there, to me, I remember what I was most bothered by, is I, what was most icky, was there was a laugh. And, and I looked out at the crew, and this is, you know, uh, perhaps this is changing, it certainly is changing, um, I haven't done a sitcom in a while, but it was all older white men. Hmm. And, I th and I looked at out there, and I looked at myself, and I thought about what I was doing, and I thought, this feels icky, and I don't want this feeling again. And, you know, they don't pay that much. <laughs> it's not like you're getting rich. And, and then I thought about, like they said, well, then you want to keep working. I was like, I don't know if I want to be the guy that does this, and I don't know if that really leads to a great career. It, hmm. didn't, it didn't compute to me. So uh, I just tried to avoid that. I did the best I could. I don't know if I have the most spotless record, but I did try to avoid that as best I could. Do you have an experience like that? Even making stuff for Google? No. I, I, no I, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, somebody's I, no, I, old, somebody's young. No, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. Uh, this question is from Pallavi Sastry. She says, do you feel a responsibility to reach back and champion Asian Americans in Hollywood, who reached back for you? Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think of all those actors that um, mentored me when I first came into town. Um, this is a great moment to mention that with all the excitement about what's happening with Asian American filmmaking, we can lose sight of the fact that uh, there were... A, there have been generations of Asian American actors who've been doing great work, um, and without without their mentorship, I just I wouldn't be here. Without specifically one specific example from my past is East West Players, which is a theater in town where I got my start. Um, 
and playwrights, uh, David Henry Wong and Philip Gotanda, on and on that that have that have been doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I. You know, it's it. The first, the thing that got me into filmmaking as like a as a thing, um, uh, was. You know, when I was when I was a kid, I was like eight, eight or nine years old. This was like 1999 or 2000, and I was like in my parents' bathroom, and like there's a magazine. <laughs> starts off weird. It gets it gets it gets to a good place. Um, uh, we sure and, hope so. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> the end. Um, yeah, and you know, there's a magazine called India West, which is like a, a popular uh, magazine newspaper that kind of like I think Indian Americans get. Uh, but North America, and um, you know, there's an art section in it, and I remember opening it up uh, one day and and looking and in the art section because I've always loved movies, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, movies were just a thing I liked, and I remember seeing the picture of a guy who was directing a movie on on the on some. He was behind a camera on some set in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, and it was a, for a movie called The Sixth Sense uh, that was coming out. And um, I remember looking at that photo and literally thinking, like, that guy looks like me, mm-hmm. and like that is. Literally about a six months later, I picked up my first camera. And like it took one person, like one person for me to see like that guy looked like me for me to do what I do. And like as far as responsibility, like in a lot of ways, I think to to continue to do work hopefully will inspire somebody else who is sitting on a toilet in their parents' bathroom. Uh, you know, but at the same time, like, yeah, I think our, 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 we I do feel a responsibility now to to kind of give an opportunity for somebody who um, wouldn't have it otherwise. Yeah. You know, speaking of giving opportunity, we should sidebar and um, note the role that your mother played in getting mm-hmm. you into film. Yeah. If I understand correctly, she would help you, like, cut oh, class there to she go is. see movies. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad she's not here. She's crying right now. Um, this photo is of you and your mother just looking so cute and smiley and happy. Uh, What's her name? Uh, her name is Shuba. Oh. Um, but I call her Amma. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, so, okay. <laughs> I've never called her Shuba. <laughs> She would take you out of class to go see movies. Yeah, so she like she grew up in uh, she grew up in India uh, in a state called Andhra Pradesh. Um, and um, shout out, stuff Andhra, yeah. Uh, and um, you know, she movies were such a, a big part of her life, and kind of she'd always go see like every movie, but like especially the Hollywood movies that would come to the st- uh, to India would often be the same ones that come there now as like the big blockbustery, the ones that make money abroad, you know, the, the vertical limits, the cliffhangers, those sort of like big movies. So when she moved to the States in the 80s, like those are the movies that she went out to see. And, you know, as a kid, you know, uh, it was me and my little brother and every Friday, you know, we would open up in the morning the newspaper and look at the timings of all of these big movies that were coming out and basically she would kind of like when it was a big enough movie and we predicted like oh this one's going to be really crowded she would like literally come 15-20 minutes early before school ended and like get us out of school and like drive us to the movie theater and wait in line so we could be first in line for like a crowded movie theater and have the line pile up behind us and us get the best seats so like she did that and even to this day like the Oscars are our family Super Bowl like I go home every year and the only exception is like if one of us is actually there so far we've always been home uh, you know, so, uh, um, but uh, you know, so um, for us, you know, it, it, like that, I kind of fell in love with movies and as an experience through her first. Uh, before I fell in love with it as a craft, um, and it was that love. And then I saw M. Night Shyamalan's picture. But you know, 
it, it's so weird to like have her. She was joined me on the press tour in really? India last week, and it's so interesting for me to think like, wow, some to watch somebody who you gave something to, and then have them do it on 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 like even like somehow have just gotten lucky in a lot of ways and made a small movie and have it become this big. But like that must be such an interesting feeling for her. But have yeah, you asked her about that feeling? Yeah, uh, there was one time we, you know, after Sundance, you know, Sundance was a whirlwind for us. We were. She uh, was there. She was there. Yeah, she was there. Her whole family was there. Um, and I remember, like, you know, uh, she's gonna, hate, she's gonna hate me for telling you. I also story. love that y'all were like the whole family was there. Yeah, the whole, oh my god, yeah, the whole family it. was yes. there. Yeah, they've seen the film so, more times than I have. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, she was there, and I think after, like, it, it was such a whirlwind of emotion. She was able to meet like all these stars. She loves movies. She loves People magazine. So seeing all these faces, everyone, like, <laughs> she, you know. And even meet like Priyanka Chopra, like who's a, a Hindi movie star, and like um, and and take a selfie with her, and 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 do all these things. And then like I think about a week afterwards, I got on the phone with her, and it was like the first time we were talking, like you know, and everything had calmed down a little bit more. And like I was telling her about a meeting that I had that day, and then like it, the 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 dam broke, and she mm. just like cried for like it was like a thirty minute. It was like I was just listening to her, and and it was yeah, it was, it was very touching for me, you know. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Last question from our audience, from Genevieve. Quote, walking up to home plate, what would your walk-up song be? I know mine. What's yours? Return of the Mac. You can't beat it. I have the tiger. Nice. I want candy by Aaron Carter. <laughs> somebody's old somebody's old <laughs> um, this was a beautiful wonderful amazing conversation I thank you both for thank it thank you so Sam. much thank you so much alright that's a wrap many thanks to John Cho and Anish Chaganti for talking to me about their new film Searching uh, the movie is in theaters on August 24th, and the wide release is August 31st. Uh, the show this week was produced by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sastry, uh, with help from Kumari Devarajan. Joanna Palowska is our senior events manager and makes all this live, fun stuff happen. Our show is edited each week by Jordana Hochman, and our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Many thanks to our engineers tonight. Patrick Murray and Leo D'Aguila, and also our engineering director at NPR West, Steve Martin. Thanks to our volunteers, Angie Hamilton-Lowe, Melissa Kuypers, Brian Berriman, Will Mears, Pamela Thompson, and the entire NPR West crew. Thanks to Renee Klar for our visuals, and thanks to my big boss who signs my checks, NPR's director of programming, Anya Grundman. And of course, thank you, Los Angeles, and this lovely, lovely crowd here tonight. Listeners, listeners, if you love this show, we'll be back live again in Los Angeles on Tuesday, October 2nd at the Montalban Theater in Hollywood. That'll be in partnership with NPR member station KPCC and their program KPCC in person. Yes, we are back in your feeds on Friday. Until then, I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you in the lobby.